Welcome to another episode of Dakota Spotlight. I really appreciate you listening and would like you to know about Spotlight Plus. It is a subscription to Dakota Spotlight that provides bonus content, early access, and ad-free listening, all while supporting my work and the show you love. You can subscribe right in the Apple Podcasts app or visit dakotaspotlight.com. This episode contains some very adult themes. Listener discretion is advised. Poor, this poor little 13-year-old girl, you know, she's frightened, she's scared, she doesn't know what to do. I actually pressed charges against my brother. In this episode, more about why Barbara's deceased brother Frank is a person of interest. Also some more insight into her mother, Louise. And I'll tell you where we're headed this fall. You're listening to Dakota Spotlight, a production of Forum Communications. My name is James Wolner. It's been a while since I did an episode about Barbara Cotton, but this is episode 17 of season 5, A Better Search for Barbara. It's been quite a year for us with this better search. It started with me going up to Williston in late January to meet with Barbara's childhood friend, Sandy Evanson. I thought I might just do one episode about Barbara, retrace her last steps, gather the facts, which I assumed would be clear and available, and then I'd be done with it. But that's not how it went. If you've not listened yet, start with episode one called Five Blocks from Home. Fast forward eight months, and a lot has happened, and some things have not happened. Let's start with what has not happened. The most obvious thing is that we still don't know what happened to Barbara Cotton. Another thing that has not been done yet is that, well, I've been telling you for weeks that I'm going to go to Montana to basically retrace Stacy Werder's footsteps. Stacy Werder is a person of interest in Barbara's disappearance. For reasons I'm not ready to tell you quite yet, this has not happened. Let's just say I'm waiting on some other things to happen first. But let's look at some of the things that have happened since the podcast came out. People all around the world have heard about Barbara Cotton. We had a celebration of life for Barbara on April 11th in Williston. And the Dakota Spotlight Facebook group continues to grow and support for a better search for Barbara Cotton continues to increase. And even more exciting for the first time ever, there is a new billboard in Williston with Barbara Cotton's face on it. In this episode, we're going to talk to people behind the new Find Barb Cotton movement, a cluster of Barbara Cotton's friends and family who are now committed to finding answers and not letting Barb Cotton be forgotten. We will talk about the billboard they put up, the new website, and more, but we'll also talk about Barbara's case and some of the questions we still have. And we're going to share some new information about one of the persons of interest, Barbara's brother, Frank Cotton, and we will hear it from someone we've not heard from before. And I'm also going to tell you about a new segment in the podcast to be called Keeping the Spotlight on Barb. You'll learn how you or your business can help to keep that billboard up one more week in Williston. And in the process, maybe even hear me thank you or your business on this very podcast. All that is coming up in this episode. I want to get this right so much for her. And I feel guilty that we didn't do enough early on. 
and I feel terrible that this happened to her. After that, it was, oh my goodness, my mom and my sister did not get along. My father was a lot of fighting between the two of them. She was not a runaway. Come on, it's been 40 years. Can you tell us if, like, did Louise say that they went out to eat or? Yeah, like I said, she had a big heart, but it's almost to a fault, maybe. But any extra factors that you throw in is going to make you more vulnerable. Her mom's story never did change. Barbara never arrived at her destination and has never been heard from again. And then we'd all be hanging out together now instead of doing a podcast about her. Hello, dear listener. This is James, host of Dakota Spotlight, inviting you to subscribe to Spotlight Plus. For as little as $5 per month, you will get the warm feeling of supporting the show and also unlock access to bonus episodes. Get the episodes early and listen ad-free. That's right, no more ads. Apple users can subscribe to Spotlight Plus Standard right in the Apple Podcasts app. If you want to dive deeper and get even more exclusive benefits, subscribe to Spotlight Plus Premium or Spotlight Plus Ultimate. Go to dakotaspotlight.com for more details. Remember this hashtag, find Barb Cotton. Find Barb Cotton. Find Barb Cotton is several things. It's a website, findbarbcotton.com. It's a group of individuals committed to finding answers. It's a billboard in Williston, North Dakota, and more. The main administrator of Find Barb Cotton is Lisa Jo Sheely. Hey, Lisa Jo, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Hanging in there, I was... I refuse to complain about the heat this summer because that's a sin if you live in North Dakota, for me anyway, because it's going to be cold soon enough and then I'll be wishing, you know, we had this back. But uh, let's remind uh, people who you are. You are, in a way, sort of related to Barbara. Can you explain that again? Yeah, (laughs) I might need to draw some diagrams and stuff like that. But um, basically, my um ex-mother-in-law is barb's sister and we're still all very close and all of that so yeah i met you up in williston on the 40th anniversary of barbara's disappearance uh and there was a lot of you there and a lot of i could see including your daughter i found out later was your daughter a lot of them you know you could see barb a resemblance of barbara cotton for sure and i'm like okay that one that's a cotton that's a cotton. (laughs) yeah (laughs) and uh, especially your daughter well uh, uh your daughter yeah, she, um, you know, I noticed it more when she was younger. Mm-hmm. Um, as she's gotten older, she's 15 now. Same age Barbara was. Exactly. But I noticed it more when she was younger. And as she's gotten older, I don't notice it quite as much. But apparently, you know, other people still really do. Hmm. Well, I remember when I saw her up there, I thought, well, if we ever do a documentary on Barbara Cotton, she could definitely play Barbara, which... I don't know. That might be a weird thing for you to hear. But <laughs> no, she actually, she'd be all over that. She is into acting. So <laughs> so you were on the podcast one time before, I want to say it was the episode about uh, Frank de la Pena, maybe? Yeah, the uh, the second one about him. Because you did some uh, quite a bit of research about that. And basically, I'm talking to you t- again today because 
kind of want to begin with by asking you, like, do you regret, uh, look what you got yourself into. You are basically <laughs> taking the torch from Dakota Spotlight. You now have a website, findbarbcotton.com. You have helped to get this billboard put up in Williston. I want to talk about all this stuff, but to begin with, well, I don't think you bit off more than you could chew, but. I, uh, if you would have, if you would have told me in February that I would be on podcasts and we'd be doing this right now, I would definitely question your sanity. So <laughs> I'm, uh, I, I work in a laboratory. Um, I'm perfectly happy to work behind the scenes and let other people share my findings. So I'm a little out of my element. Well, you're doing a great job. And, uh, another question I had for you, and, uh, I don't know if, I can say this without you taking it the wrong way at first, but it's a compliment. Are you even human? Because you always respond to messages like, do you ever sleep? It's probably a better question. I hate sleeping. I hate sleeping. It's such a waste of time. Yeah, you don't seem to waste any time because anytime I reach out to you, it's like, bang, like, you seem to be a very efficient uh, individual. But um, I wouldn't go that far. I guess I tend to be kind of an all or nothing person. Like if I'm focused on something, that's that's what I'm focused on. And I know like, you know, I can multitask, but it's all within that focus. So. So you were married to Diane's son. Yep. And do you remember the first time you ever heard about Barbara? I remember we were standing in her kitchen, in Diane's kitchen. Bar Barbara's sister. Yes. Somehow just like nonchalantly, it just got mentioned like, you know, blah, blah, blah with my sister that went missing. And I perked up and I looked at her sideways like, what? And she's like, you've never heard about that? And I'm like, no, no, I've obviously never heard about that. <laughs> I would remember that, right. you know, and then she told me the story and wow, yeah. So I, and I just remember having so many questions like, you know, and there's so many of them that still aren't answered today, obviously, but. So when you heard about the podcast coming out, I guess you were kind of excited then. Yeah, I was, I was really excited. Well, yeah, like you said, like you expected to go in and, uh, you know, everything they knew was right there and. You know, it'd be a short thing. And I think you've <laughs> actually taught them a lot. So interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I thought there would be nothing left, left to look at. I thought maybe, you know, Barbara's siblings would be like, we're so done with this. We've done everything we can. But it wasn't really like that at all. But uh, the fact that there is now a, a website dedicated to Barb that you are administrating, you've got the new Facebook page. Tell us all about that stuff and make sure people know how to find them, obviously. <laughs> Uh, everything can pretty much be found by searching Fine Barb Cotton, whether it's finebarbcotton.com or finebarbcotton at Gmail, um, Fine Barb Cotton, the Facebook group, um, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, all of that. Yeah, we just, um, you know, I, I realized that information started slowing down a little bit. You know, there's still a lot of things that we're, you know, you're waiting on and, you know, we're waiting to hear back on. But, you know, as far as, you know, the interviews and everything else, you know, stuff was starting to slow down. And it's like, well, you know, maybe we should just have something strictly dedicated to Barb. So at finebarbcotton.com is the website. What, what would you say the main purpose or goal with the website? it's just kind of somewhere to be a hub um you know it'll direct you to you know how to donate to the billboard fund how to sign the petition 
your podcast is really the most detailed account of what we know about Barb's disappearance. And, you know, I realized, you know, for me to go back in when I'm researching, I have to like listen to an episode over again to find a, a little nugget of information I need. Right. You know, so I'm like, well, I'm going to try to kind of document this story a little bit. I wanted there to be a website where, you know, we can post the articles, we can post photos, we can post, you know, people of interest or pretty much just if somebody wants to find something out about Barb's case, the answer would be there. That's awesome. So if people go to findbarbcotton.com, they're going to find everything, you know, like even links to the Facebook group. You have both the group and a page now. Yep. And links to Dakota Spotlight. Awesome. Yeah. Fantastic. How, how is it going in the Facebook group? Um, good. It's, it's really good. Um, people are very responsive to posts and I think it's pretty interesting just since we started that up, just, you know, just off of a random post, you learn so much about people that are interested in Barb and why, and you know, how they learned about it. And should we also mention this thing about, uh, some find Barb cotton, I don't want to call it merch, but it's uh, T-shirts and coffee cup, coffee mugs and stuff. Tell us about that. We had the stickers, right? Mm-hmm. And I made the stickers and I just wanted to give them away for free. Um, obviously, I can't make T-shirts for everybody and give them away for free. <laughs> you know, that, that gets a little spendier. Um, not to mention, just those stickers are time consuming. So we, yeah. you know, we outsourced and now we're coming up with designs and looks really cool it'll be t-shirts coffee mugs and stuff and then and quote-unquote proceeds for that will go to the billboard fund among other things um yep yep and the website maintaining the website and things like that all of that comes out of somebody's pocket at some point so tell us about the billboard that is the most awesome thing but i'll let you tell it that that is super cool um we didn't really know how you know, we would raise the kind of funding that we were thinking it would cost. But then when we ended up looking into it more, it actually, it wasn't nearly as bad as we expected. And we're like, wow, we we could really do this. <laughs> and, you know, so like when people, there were so many people that were trying to, um, you know, donate money um, for the stickers and everything like that. And, and I just asked people, I said, you know what, hold on to your money. We might be asking for you know, donations soon. And that's what it was in regards to, but I didn't want to get anybody's hopes up. So. So there's one up now. Where, where is that? It's in Williston, I know, but. Yes, it's by Walmart and um, Sandy and Kathy, um, you know, they were very specific about where they wanted it. You know, we weren't just going to stick one anywhere. Um, And they happened to have a spot open by Walmart there where they figure most people within a month are going to end up going to Walmart. Uh, I think it's on the northbound heading towards Walmart. Can you describe what how it looks? Um, yeah, it has uh, the photo that's most widely shared to Barb from like the missing persons posters and stuff. And it says on there, remember me, it's been 40 years. Um, and it says time for you to speak up. And then it directs them to the website. Um, but we wanted it to be very direct because it's hard to dismiss that that feeling that somebody out there has to know something. Right. You know, and, and we wanted this billboard to speak directly to them. It's the first, you're still in the first month of the billboard. How much funding have you got for how long can this go on? 
So we we have funding put away. Um, however, with the company that we're currently um, have it posted with, Sandy and Kathy didn't so much like the locations that they have for next month. So we actually started um, looking at other companies and there's another company that actually seems like we are close to being able to afford that and it would be a bigger billboard. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And um, it would be a six month contract. The only thing is like we could we could go ahead with it. However, we if we didn't have the full amount to cover it, we would have to have a credit card on file, which I assume would be my credit card. Oh, and it would be a hundred once once those those funds ran out, it would be a hundred dollars a week to keep it up until the six month contract was done, which I don't I might just go ahead and do it because I feel like feel like it's gotta happen. Yeah. But I'm a little hesitant before yeah. we have all the funding. Um, but I think that's gonna happen regardless. So maybe we'll just have to ask, you know. I need to interject quickly here and we'll be right back with Lisa Joe. If you want to help out with a billboard fund, there's a few ways to do it. Easiest probably is to go to the GoFundMe page if you want to donate five, ten, twenty dollars, something like that. Actually, it's probably easier to go to findbarbcotton.com and click on the link that will take you directly to the GoFundMe page for the billboard. Or of course you can go to gofundme.com and search for Barbara Cotton. But Lisa Joe and I came up with another fun way of supporting the billboard. I'm going to start introducing a segment called Keeping the Spotlight on Barb. For $100, you and or your business can support keeping the billboard up for another week. In return, I will be mentioning you and your business in this segment. Maybe something like this if your name was, say, Mary Smith and you had a bakery called Mary's Bakery. I would say something like, this week the billboard is being sponsored by Mary Smith at Mary's Bakery. Mary is helping to keep the spotlight on Barb because... And then we would insert whatever message you wanted. Of course, you could remain anonymous as well. We would also share your name and business on our social media for dakotaspotlight.com and Find Barb Cotton. If you are interested in sponsoring the Keep the Spotlight on Barb segment, contact Lisa Joe at findbarbcotton at gmail.com. That's findbarbcotton at gmail.com. Discuss it with her and she'll let me know and we will get you on the podcast. Thank you for supporting the Billboard Fund. I mean, so it just feels really good for me that you've kind of taken this on. So thank you very much. Um, Absolutely. Thank you for, I mean, with all the podcasts, there, none of this would be possible anyways. So thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Should we tease people a little bit about there's going to be another podcast. True Crime Podcast is going to tell the Barb Cotton story, right? I don't know if we should promise too much yet, but. Well, yeah, that it's in the works. I did an interview. Sandy Evanson did an interview. Kent, Diane. Oh, wow. And I believe now Kathy. So this one strictly focuses on um, missing people. Oh, awesome. The more ears on this story, the better. So Absolutely. Should we just talk about the case in general? I know you have some. Yeah. Where, where should I mean, we start? <laughs> Barb's been missing for 40 years. All three of the people of interest that Wilston police have mentioned to us are deceased. You know, every day that goes by, we risk that person that knows something that I mentioned earlier. I don't want that person to pass away and take what they know with them. Right. Yeah. Time's a waste. 
Absolutely. And we know that they're busy. You know, Hmm. nobody expects the current investigators to drop everything that's going on right now and focus on a 40-year-old cold case, but let somebody do it. Yeah, Sandy Evanson has her feelings about this too. Kind of, she kind of feels like this is our last. She, the way she feels is this is our last chance. That's very similar to what I told um, Barb's sister Diane. I said this is this case has never had this much attention as it does right now. If something's going to happen, you know, it's going to. We have to make it happen off this. What do you think happened to Barbara? how often do you get that question i i get it a lot i get it a lot and i don't think anybody's ever very satisfied with my answer because my answer is i have no idea absolutely no idea it could be any one of those three people of interest it could Mm -hmm. be a complete stranger we've never heard of that's never been associated with williston i the possibilities are literally endless and if you're listening to this and you don't know what we're talking about, the three persons of interest, you I really encourage you to go back to episode one and listen up to this point, and we go through all of that. But I'll just do a real short recap. We have a guy named Stacy Werder, who was 21 years old and was seen with Barbara, supposedly, the night she disappeared. And he ends up hanging himself in jail in Montana three months later. There's another person of sus- a person of interest named Frank de la Pena who was in Williston when Barbara went missing. We haven't been able to establish that he ever met her, but he left Williston three weeks after her disappearance and promptly murdered two girls, young girls in Wyoming, and then he also hung himself in jail. And then the third person of interest is actually Barbara's old older brother who passed away now um frank cotton those are the three persons of interest that uh, lisa referred to here for me i keep coming back to the fact that two of them hung themselves in jail like is that just a coincidence you know like how often was that happening (laughs) i you know i'd be interested to see all the statistics on that i'm not you know, Stacy Werder, we did hear that he was diagnosed with um, paranoid schizophrenia, um, which, I mean, and this is just my logical brain, you know, moving, but, um, you know, suicide rates in schizophrenics, especially young, untreated schizophrenics, is very high. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not to say, you know, that's not suspicious mm-hmm. still, but, um, and then we do know that Frank de la Pena also. Um, was under observation with a psychologist in Williston right before he left, and he was experiencing pressure in his head. And then he checked out of the hospital, and then two or three days, three days later, he left Williston and then killed those girls three days later. Yep, in almost a desperate attempt to lure anyone into his vehicle. It really was. He he spent the whole day just trying to lure different people into his his vehicle, saying that he had a little puppy and yeah. he just tried one after the other. It does really seem desperate. Several people, and then he. Then I, he... There was even a, a a boy. Yep. There was, you know, women. There was girls. There, you know, it, there was really no. Right. Yeah. I mean, obviously, Frank de la Pena is a really strong suspect because he actually did murder two people. I mean, he was obviously capable. We can start with that. Right. Right, absolutely. He was capable, and he was in Williston. Other than that, we don't have anything other than, if I'm just going off my sort of feelings about it, 
the way he tried to lure those people in Wyoming with the, the puppy, the cute puppy. Do you want, he was yeah. trying to give a puppy away. And if I just take what we've kind of learned about Barbara, I really feel like she could have, I don't want to say fallen for, but she, she just seemed to be so, whereas her brother Kent said, you know, good almost to a fault. Right. I never met Barbara, obviously, but I can see her going in this guy's vehicle to look at a puppy. I hate to say it, but what do you think about that? I mean, absolutely. Especially if, um, if she felt, you know, this animal needed help, you know, absolutely. That might be the one thing, you know, that, that would work. Exactly. Yeah. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. But then if we look at it this way, if Frank de la Pena was responsible, that's in April 11th, but then he hangs around for three more weeks. I don't know. How do you feel about that? I mean, I don't, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe he was trying to keep it together. I mean, you know, if I, if I killed somebody and I was trying to get away with it, I probably wouldn't do anything suspicious, like pick up and leave town immediately until I drove myself crazy. And go to the hospital with pressure in your head, maybe? He got fired. Which is what happened to him. Yep. He was threatening people at work, I think. Yeah, he had a dispute with his coworkers or something, and, and then he ended up in the hospital, if I'm not mistaken. And then when he was discharged, he was uh, let go from his job. Right. Yeah, then he goes down to Wyoming and... Oh. It's just a sad story. We've talked about that. But if you want to hear about what he did, you can listen to, I think the episode's called Juarez to, Juarez to Williston. Yep. One thing that I can't get over, though, um, you know, like if, if it was Frank de la Pena, there's really no similarities between Barb's disappearance and those girls getting abducted. His desperate attempts and you know how those girls were found and stuff barb's still missing that's not to say that it's not possible but i that's one thing that i've never been able to quite shake yeah he didn't even really try to dispose or hide the bodies of those two poor girls he just stopped at a rest stop basically unfortunately the word would be they just dumped them so if he did that with barbara she would have been found and the only way I can put it all together, I agree with what you're saying. The one way I can put it together is that Barbara was his first victim. Right. And, and it surprised him, maybe himself. He snapped, whatever. And then he really snapped. And then he goes on this compulsive desire right. or need to kill again. Right. And I mean, another thing, um, there, I'm sure there was more pressure on him in Wyoming. Nobody was... It doesn't seem like, anyways, that anybody was looking for Barb. Well, there's this whole gray area of it, people saying that she, they thought she was a runaway, and we've never quite yeah. figured out exactly how much work was done. I mean, right. we, we know that um, Barbara's mother called the police the next day and Monday, the day after that. Yeah. But we don't actually know what was done, do we, that first week? We don't know. No, no. Um, as far as searching or questioning, right. you know, you know, my motto, <laughs> if it's not documented, it wasn't done. I, I mean, like I said, I'm, I'm a scientist. If it's not documented, it wasn't done. You know, that's how any inspection would go. We were told that they do not have a record of anyone speaking with Stacy Werder, or at least not interviewing him. Yep. I believe they, tr I believe there's a record that they went looking 
they never said they saw found him, but twice went looking for him at a motel, two different motels. And I don't, one of them was in Scobie. And that was just a call for service. Right. They, so they said Barb wasn't there, but they, it didn't even mention if Stacy was. Right. That's a good point. Maybe he was there and she wasn't, or she was hiding under the bed. Yeah. I, I do remember um, that they, you know, got sightings from, you know, a hotel here or there, but I don't remember those being um, involving Stacy. I could be mistaken. I think but. there's another one that Detective Hendricks said she could not read the name of the town. A different one, not Scobie. Um, yeah. And they could not contact anyone there as well. But that's why I say I think Maybe. at least two motels. But we know we know no one ever sat him down, you know, in an interview. Yep. And then we have this mysterious party. The reason I call it mysterious is because... Uh, we were told by Williston PD that Louise called the police on Monday, that's the second day, and said that someone, which Williston PD did not give us the name, said they saw her at a party, and, and Louise had the impression that this person, a friend of Barbara's, knew where Barbara was but wasn't telling her. Mm -hmm. And I believe we also were told that they don't have a record of anyone talking to her. Is that right? Um, they said that contact has been made in their time during this investigation. They said contact has been made. That's true. They don't say they've talked to her. Knocking on someone's door and they don't open the door could be considered contact. Yeah. Leaving a voicemail, that's that's considered contact. So, I mean. But nothing from back then, I guess, as far as we know. I mean, we have to remember that what we were told by Williston PD is not the whole story. There's. Yeah. I mean, there's. I mean, we know that there's a few things that can't be released publicly that, you know, you've kept under your hat. Yeah, they, I was asked by Wilson PD to not reveal certain details about one one thing, and I've honored that um, to this day. Yeah, and it's just, you know, with any ongoing investigation, there's those details where they don't want them released so that they can verify the validity of somebody's statement or, you know, something that no one else would really know. So let me ask you, people are wondering, because you are Barbara's sister's daughter-in-law, ex-daughter-in-law, yeah. <laughs> you know, you know what these things are. I mean, you're sort of in the loop, right? I mean. Absolutely. And I mean, and so do you, mm -hmm. um, you know, and. But let's say this, none of that stuff, as you said, I don't know what happened to her either. None of those things that we've been asked to not share by Wilson PD, none of those things are like, wow, that explains it all. I mean, it's just some things that, so like, if you're listening and you think, oh my God, they know more and they're, why don't they just tell us who, you know, what happened to her? We don't know. Like, these details we're talking about don't really help in that fashion. Yeah. Yeah. It, they don't answer any questions. They're, um, Yeah. They don't. They don't. A lot can be said for you. You, you know, this isn't, these aren't things that Williston PD told you and then asked you not to share. These were things that were shared with you from people, you know, sharing information with you that they knew. Um, and there was absolutely no obligation for you to not share that. That definitely attests to, you know, where your loyalties are. And they're definitely with Barb, so. Oh, I didn't finish my thought. Let's go back to the party. So Barbara's siblings told me that they'd never heard of this party. Right. 
But Wilson PD got this information from their mother. So I do not understand that. Yeah, I don't, you know, and um, something that really I get a sticking point for me with this is if she was last seen at a party, why is this story about her being at dinner with her boyfriend and another friend and they watched her walk into Recreation Park? You know, why is that the most widely shared detail on the last time she was seen? What about Frank, her brother? Just talking about him. I believe you wrote something about this recently, right? I did. And you're kind of frustrated that people dismiss him as a, a suspect. Talk about that. We we haven't really given a very solid reason that anybody should suspect him. Part of that kind of circles back to, you know, the stuff that can't be shared. Hmm. Um, you know, and there's other aspects besides details that police don't want shared. You know, there's people who would rather it not be brought up and things like that. And so at this point, people are really curious, what is this we're going to hear? And I'll just let you know that we will be speaking very shortly with Barbara's sister, Diane, and she's going to share some of her thoughts about why Frank is considered a person of interest coming up soon here. But what else would you like to talk about tonight? Oh, gosh, I don't even know. <laughs> um, we've talked about a lot, actually. You know, there there is another question that I get asked about a lot. Mm -hmm. And I get asked if there's some sort of police cover-up. Right. I get that question, too. Do you? Yeah. <laughs> I, I figured, I figured yeah. you might if I was. Mm -hmm. um, and I really try not to um, encourage that line of thinking, but... I can understand it, though, too. I, I can understand it um, because it's such a, you know, everybody's so tight-lipped about it. And there's so many things that seem like there should be easy answers to, but there's not. Yeah, I don't know what to think about that either, but I know it's been frustrating at times to hear that, you know, there's no records or possibly, we don't even know if there's records missing. I mean, that would be a cover-up. If the reason that they don't have the interview with Stacy Werder, you know, documented or you know, other thing, or this friend who saw her at a party. If the reason those documents are gone is because someone destroyed them, well, that would be a cover-up. Absolutely. I don't know. It's, I've had listeners email me, people on the Facebook group, feeling like we're swimming upstream instead of, I don't know. Right. I mean, I've had I've had people say things to me, like um, something along the lines of, uh, some things are just better left alone. And I was like, are you threatening me? And they were like, no, no. And I'm like, oh, okay, good. Oh my gosh. Because that's how close to the surface it is, you know, like the, that line of thinking. But um, yeah, I remember, I remember my heart skipping a beat and I was like, oh my God, what did I, what did I get into now? Mm -hmm. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just, uh, I don't know. Could it be that people just actually thought that she just ran away for five? And then after five years, they're like, oh, I guess we should look. I don't know. I mean, I imagine in 1981, a runaway didn't leave their paycheck at home and their savings account full of money. Yeah, good point. That's the one thing that's always, you know, you know, we know that Barb didn't wear her glasses often, you know, and we know that a carton of cigarettes is replaceable. But I mean, she had saved up money. She she was going to be 16 in oh, what, like five months. And she mm -hmm. had been saving for an apartment for when she turned 16. And 
She was going to be in a wedding. She had her wedding dress or her, not her wedding dress, but her. Her maid of honor dress, a paycheck and all the money in her own personal savings. Not, not, you know, like the savings account that, you know, she needed her mom to access. Um, you know, so, I mean, I imagine that in 81, that would probably still indicate somebody's not a runaway, but. Find Barb Cotton. That's the hashtag. You can, if you search find Barb Cotton, you'll find all kinds of stuff. Website, Twitter, Facebook. For goodness sake, if anyone knows anything about what happened to Barbara, what do you think they should do, Lisa? Um, you know, uh, actually the find Barb Cotton um, Gmail address. And the email address is findbarbcotton at gmail.com. Any other plans for the find barb cotton that we haven't talked about for we've got t-shirts and mugs coming you've got the billboard um i i think we touched on everything but obviously if anybody has any ideas of other you know avenues to pursue to get the word out more i email me you know email me at that find barb cotton at gmail and absolutely appreciate anyone's input when are you going to start your own podcast about this Never. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Fair enough. It's a lot of work. <laughs> I'll, I'll investigate for podcasts. How about that? I'll Facebook stock okay. people for, for podcasts. So. That sounds great. All right, Lisa Joe, thank you so much. And don't go away because we are going to talk to Barbara Cotton's sister, Diane, to talk about Frank Cotton, their brother, and why he is a person of interest. Lisa Joe, it's been great. Thank you so much for taking your time. Thank you. Hi, Diane. How are you? Pretty good. You want to just remind everyone who you are and you know how you're related to Barbara and the, and Lisa Joe, for that matter. Okay. Uh, my name's Diane Sheely. I'm related to Lisa Joe as I'm her uh, ex-mother-in-law. I'm Barb's sister, older sister, 11 years older than Barb. You have some things you want to share about Frank, basically, if I understand correctly. So I guess I'll just leave you to it. Well, I know that a lot of people think my brother Frank was a really good guy, and he was in, in a lot of ways. I mean, he helped out my mom and was a, almost a dad to my brother Kent, you know. So he did a lot of good. I'm not saying he didn't, but they, you know, like... People that have gotten or convicted of killing people or doing whatever, you know, they say, well, he was such a good guy. I can't believe that. He was so quiet and so good, you know. Well, sometimes there's always another side to a person. Mm -hmm. And my experience with Frank was that when my one daughter was 14 years old and she was staying the summer in Williston with my mom. And uh, I know that uh, she had, they had went to uh, buy a lake and swimming and stuff, right? So my daughter, Lisa, of course, had her swimming suit on, bikini, whatever. And I know that she had um, um, walked by my brother, who was sitting, I guess, on a pickup truck, tailgate, whatever. And uh, he had made inappropriate sexual remarks and... Um, touching of my daughter. Well, first of all, I want to say I spoke with your daughter last night just to confirm that she didn't want to talk about this, but she's completely okay with you talking about it. She just didn't want to be on the podcast. Right. But I just want everyone to know that I have spoken with Diane's daughter, Lisa, 
And the other thing I want to clear up here is that her name is also Lisa. So we're not talking about Lisa Joyer. No, not my ex-daughter-in-law. But your daughter. My daughter, my middle daughter, Lisa. And she was 14 years old at the time, by the way. So you're saying Frank did touch her? Yes. Anyway, I found out about it, and uh, I actually pressed charges against my brother. Because of my background and uh, my family history of inappropriate sexual contact Mm -hmm. uh, with uh, family members, I was not going to let that get by with my daughter. I was going to protect her as much as I could. So, I mean, we did press charges. He got charged with it and stuff, and then we were going to take him to court. But because of something else going on at the time uh, that was happening, uh, our lawyer told us that he didn't think we would get a conviction, really, because we didn't really have enough evidence. It was her say-so against his, you know, which I totally believed her because of his inappropriate touching and feeling of me when I was younger. Decided that we would dismiss the case against Frank with prejudice, which means that we could bring it back up again later. How did your mother take all of this? So she didn't really believe it. Oh. Um, was, but, she, was she opposed then? To the, well, to the oh, pressing yeah, charges? She did not like it that I uh, pressed charges against him. Hmm. And I never spoke to him for many, many years after that. If I knew he was anywhere around, we never went anywhere where he was. We stayed totally away from him. Because of that, I always felt that he might have did the same thing to Barb. And maybe she was stronger or whatever in a different scenario, whatever, and fought back. And maybe he accidentally killed her or something. In the beginning, when Barb disappeared, I didn't even think about Frank as a suspect. But when he died and my mom quit looking for Barb and, you know, she declared her dad about the time he was sick and dying and stuff like that, then it just kind of like, whoa, wait a minute. One thing that's always been, for me, odd, it didn't seem like your mother was communicating much about your sister's disappearance to Kent and uh, Kathy. I don't know. Can you comment on that at all? Yeah, I can I can understand that. Um, yeah, she probably was protecting them and not wanting, you know, and maybe protecting the family. It was always, in, and even the other relatives on her side, the family, you know, like when he passed away and stuff. And what is in the past is in the past. You don't need to bring it up. Let's let's say your brother was responsible for your sister's disappearance. If your mother found out or somehow realized, do you think she would have told anyone? She would absolutely not. She would absolutely not tell anybody. She would have uh, protected him. You know, it was like, well, if he had told her it was an accident or something, I can see, and it's just a scenario, that uh, she would have said, oh, well, there's nothing we can do about it now. There's no use dragging his name through the mud type thing. It's done and over with. It's the past. Well, do you remember talking to your mom, you know, back in 81? Did you feel like your mom was 
aggressively looking for Barbara, trying to find out what happened or? Oh, definitely. Because she even gave me, uh, she printed out missing persons posters for Barb. I know she sent them to different truck stops. And uh, yeah, she actively, and she, and I know when she moved out of the house that she lived in when Barb disappeared, mm-hmm. we really had to talk to her, really encourage her immensely to move to a different house that was bigger and better because she was afraid Barb would come home, get away from, if she was kidnapped, if she got away from them and she was, you know, would know her way home and then mom wouldn't be there. So mom was, mom was scared of of that, was really, you know, afraid of moving because of that. Well, we appreciate you talking to us. Um, I really appreciate the time. Thank you. Well, I really appreciate all the work and time you've put into this. Like I said, this has been immensely helping, even with my um, emotional. Well, you're you're very welcome. We had no idea it was going to be. I thought it was going to be one episode. I think we're on episode sixteen or seventeen now. So yeah. Well, thank you for all of your help, and you have okay. a great rest of your day. Thank you. Because this insight about Frank Cotton is important, I reached out to another sister, Barbara's younger sister, Kathy. We've heard from Kathy before on the podcast. I wanted to see if Kathy remembered this event about her niece, Lisa, and her brother, Frank. She did remember. Kathy was present that day but did not witness what happened. But she can verify the story and that they went to the police because Kathy took her niece to the police. This event happened in the 90s, so Kathy was living in her own place in Williston. Now, her niece Lisa did not immediately tell anyone what happened because, well, as Kathy told me... Poor, this poor little 13-year-old girl, you know, she's frightened, she's scared, she doesn't know what to do. She doesn't know who she's able to tell. So Lisa told a friend instead, and that friend told Kathy, and then Kathy got on the phone. So I called my sister Diane and talked to her, and since Diane was in Minnesota and Lisa was in Williston, I'm like, okay, what do you want me to do? I'm like, do you want me to take her to the you know, police station and file a report? And we agreed that, yes, we should go file a report. So I take her up to the police station, we file a report. And knowing that my mom is going to get upset over this, I had, Lisa, I had Lisa stay with me. So Kathy takes her niece under her wing and brings her into her home. Now, when you just heard Kathy say, knowing my mom was going to get upset over this, some of you might have imagined Louise getting upset with her son and coming to her granddaughter's aid, or at the very least, being a mother, providing equal support to her son and granddaughter. But that was not the case, as Kathy explained. And of course, my mom did get upset. She called Lisa a liar. You know, Fright never did that to her. So Lisa stayed with me until Diane could come get her from Minnesota. And so there we have it, or at least we have something. A grandmother calling her granddaughter a liar, a young teen who has just gone through what she'd gone through. And of course, this forces us to consider something, or at least it forces me to. If Louise Cotton would protect her son in this situation at the cost of not supporting her own granddaughter, what would she do if she discovered or learned that her son had killed begs the question, really. If you feel frustrated, feeling we go around and around and around in this story with 
different persons of interest, Frank de la Pena, Stacy Werder, Frank Cotton. I feel ya. I agree. It feels frustrating and disorienting. But I can also say on this Saturday in late August 2021 that I've learned some things this summer. Before signing off, I'd like to share some of that and also tell you where we're headed soon as summer approaches autumn in the Northern Hemisphere. In case you've missed it this summer, I've interviewed seven other true crime podcast producers or hosts. We traveled not literally, but virtually to the UK and Australia three times and South Africa twice, as well as to the US states of Maryland and Arizona. We met a man named Eric Carter Landine who will not give up on getting justice for his baby brother. We met Erin Reed, who volunteers her own time and resources and activists for victims and their families. We met a reporter, Allison Sandy, and followed a daughter looking for her missing mother, Marion Barter, in Australia. And there was Jamie Pultz and his podcast, Beanham Valley Road, a former police officer who now uses a microphone to combat domestic violence. And Dan Box, who couldn't sleep at night if he did not tell a story, if he did not do his utmost to find justice for not one, but three Aborigine families who lost their child to the same serial killer. We met Dion Wiggett, who faced his own perpetrator, his own demon, with his inspiring podcast, My Only Story. And we met Paul McNally, who went looking to tell a story about assassinations in South Africa, snooping into the lives of the assassins themselves. Each one of these people seeking answers have had to face fear in one way or another. In fact, I happen to know that Lisa Jo Sheely, behind Find Barb Cotton, she did something this very weekend in an attempt to find answers about Barbara that would scare any one of us. I'm sorry I can't share more about that, but if you were to ask me what is it that drives all of these people to do the work they do, I don't think I can give you an answer. I think the drive is possibly something very personal and in some cases, private. But there is one thing I believe they would all agree on, something Dion Wiggett told us in my interview with him, and that is, none of them would claim to be fearless. Courage is not not being afraid. Courage is being afraid and doing it anyway. And you do it because it is right, that is what courage is. Or really just decency. Or really just decency. Lisa Joe and Feinbarb Cotton are doing their work because they're missing a loved one, sure, but also because looking for a missing 15-year-old girl is the decent thing to do. The decent thing to do is to collaborate together to find a 15-year-old girl together. Family, friends, media, community, law enforcement, working together and on the same team. That would be the decent and honorable way of looking for a missing 15-year-old girl in Williston, North Dakota. Or what do you think? Summer may be coming to an end, but not the fine barb cotton movement. And me, your podcast host, where am I headed as we walk into autumn this year? Well, I'll tell you. To begin with, I'm taking a short vacation. And unless the Delta variant of COVID-19 throws a wrench into my travel plans, I will be headed abroad. And this time I don't mean virtually, this time I mean getting on a plane. 
so the next time you hear my voice, it will possibly be from another country. Perhaps on foreign soil, I'll be able to share why I do the work I do, that private and personal stuff that I usually keep to myself. But just maybe, I can't be certain that I'll come through. But I am certain I'll be back. Okay, I am almost certain I'll be back. Only the universe knows, really. But the universe taught me something the last year and a half. It taught me that hugging another human being during a pandemic just might get you killed. But I've learned that not hugging my own daughters any longer kills me even more. Dakota Spotlight is a production of Forum Communications. This season is dedicated to my daughters and to all daughters everywhere. To support the Find Barb Cotton Billboard Fund, head over to findbarbcotton.com or email Lisa Joe at findbarbcotton at gmail.com. A Better Search for Barbara is written, recorded, and edited by me, James Wallner, and researched by myself and the growing community of people dedicated to getting answers about Barbara's disappearance. Many thanks to Isaac Turner of Kalamazoo, Michigan, for providing awesome music for this season. Check him out by searching Wowza in Kalamazoo on Bandcamp.com. And why not check out the Dakota Spotlight Facebook group or find me on Twitter. To contact me, email me at dakotaspotlight at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. See you next time.
come on, it's been 40 years. Thank you so much for listening. To support my work, get early access, listen ad-free, and much more, please consider subscribing to Spotlight Plus. Apple users can even subscribe right in the Apple Podcasts app. Learn more about Spotlight Plus at dakotaspotlight.com.